It's the Paul's Picks Podcast. I'm David Schoenberg. Hello, Paul. Hello, David. So what's on your mind at this time? Shiraz. Uh, isn't that always on your mind? It is always on my mind. <laughs> Just like Glenn Campbell, for those of you who are still my age. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's or like, Willie Nelson, too, I suppose. Oh, sure. I, I just think Paul's got grapes on his mind. And, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what that means. All right, so where are we starting today? Grapes for brains. Um, <laughs> so... <we're, laughs> What we're gonna do today is um, it's kind of fun. We're gonna let's let's taste the wines first. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, idea. let's let's do that first. So the first thing we're gonna do is um, we're gonna we're gonna do a Shiraz, but it's gonna be a Shiraz blend. Okay. Okay. Very traditional style from France. Okay. This this one is a uh, Reserve Côte Duron from Perrin. Mm-hmm. Uh, under twenty bucks a bottle. Perrin is the family. Yeah, they're the family. Yeah, yep. they're the family. They own a number of different properties um, throughout France, especially the south of France, mm-hmm. ranging from you know very economical wines to the most expensive and sought out wines and everything in between. Yeah, and I, I guess we're drinking the economical one. Yeah, our budget for now. <laughs> for now. Well, but I think that's everybody's budget. Yeah. Like the, Sometimes like somebody drinking a $200 bottle of wine is of no use to me whatsoever because that's... No, and you know what? That, that could be a whole other podcast for us, but <laughs> I could tell you from experience that I've done... Uh, blind tastings with people yeah. and thrown in a bottle that was $100 cheaper than the top end bottles that they were drinking and right. most people couldn't tell a difference. So This is a classic old world France wine and yep. and I've said in the past like a, a Chateau de Cepap I, I just love with a big steak but that's a $60 bottle of wine. This mm-hmm. is under $20. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could tell the difference. You'd be hard pressed with this one. Yeah, this one here. So right off the bat, the bat. Excuse me. Blah, 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 I decided to go with a blend. So this is a Cote de Rhone wine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's safe to say the majority of people that start with French wines kind of usually start with this style. Okay, with for red, for red, uh, because it's economical. Because it's uh, the most largely produced style in France, so it's the most readily available. Uh, things, for example, like uh, for us here, uh, things like Lavier Ferme, which is worldwide. Everybody knows that wine, white and red. It's like it, you find it everywhere. Right. That's a go to own style of yeah, wine. Yeah, yeah. So essentially, it's a blend. So this one here is a blend of Syrah. Okay, with Grenache, which is very typical, which is the same blend, by the way, that they use for, or one of the same blends they use for Chateau Neuf-Spat. So are all Cote de this blend? Uh, no. Okay. No, there's there's a lot of variations. They have a they have a pretty free hand in adding things as the vintner sees fit. Yeah. So they can do one variety. You could do a Cote de Rhone that's just Syrah. Right. Okay. Or Syrah and Grenache. Sure. Or Syrah and white varieties. <laughs> all blended together. Right. It's whatever tastes good. Absolutely. Yeah. The house style. Let's the, call it that. Let's, yeah, let's, yeah. let's stick with that. Just house style. Well, and, and that's many times the, the magic of these kind of wines, as, as opposed to some of the, the larger commercial wines, which taste the exact same year after year after mm-hmm. year. With these ones, they're always going to be a little different, and that's oh, the fun. Oh, you could go from, like, say you <laughs> we were at... In the Côte de Rhone region. And Say, we, oh, that's ah, mad. <laughs> oh, it's a dream to be there right now. Uh, and we walked down the street where there were 10 different wineries. Yeah. 
even though they're basically a stone a stone's throw away from each other, every one of them is going to taste different. Oh, wow. You know? So anyway, this style is Syrah Grenache. Yeah. And so what you should expect out of this is on the nose, first of all, it's got sort of a, a blueberry, very dark fruit to it. I found it had a little bit of licorice. Yep. And when I kept going back to it, uh, I smelt a little bit of sort of allspice. Mm. That kept coming back to me. So that would be what the French call garrigue spice, which grows everywhere around the vineyards, and it does impact the grapes. Okay. It has an impact on the grape. Yeah, yeah. Um, On the palate, medium, light to medium body. It's not a heavy, heavy wine. No. it's dry, but not to the point where it's sucking in your cheeks. Mm. You know, it's it's still got a good smoothness to it and goes down very, very well. Very well balanced wine. Um, I, I think this is a really good example of a nice Côte d'Aron. And it, it is interesting because when we talk about old world wines, this does not have that old world feet barnyard <laughs> taste to it that that i i just sort of instantly assume when you see something is from france i i i because because I, I i like tend to like the new world fruitier chocolatey yeah. wines better um but this is, is an introduction to french wines is a very interesting choice and a lot it's funny you say that because a lot of the old world wine producers strive for that feet <laughs> smell yep in their wine, it's a it's a it's a byproduct called bretromyces, okay, yeah. which is something that it's almost like a bacteria that some producers actually encourage to get that smell. Well, and <laughs> <laughs> to each his own. <laughs> but, but, uh, but the reason that I I, I like it is because of how well it goes with food. Like oh. so so often with these these old world wines by themselves, yeah, no. However, pair it with a nice salty piece of beef and it is so good. So I got a surprise for Dave. We're going to, I've actually brought some food. Oh. That we're going to pair off with these a little later. Okay, something but, to look forward to. Yeah, not not too too later, but just a little uh. later after we finish trying, we're going to pair them off with some interesting food that's are going to go right down the alley to what you said. Oh, Okay, good, good. All right, and there's a second red wine sitting here. So the second red wine is uh, is the Porcupine Ridge uh, Syrah. Yeah. And that one's from South Africa. It's okay. one of the largest produced Syrahs in South Africa from the Stellenbosch area. Now, this one here. There's something on the nose with this one that I can't quite place. I thought it was clove. Okay, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this one's a lot fruitier than the Cote d'Aron. Mm-hmm. A lot fruitier, um, but not not crazy fruit, not sweet sweet fruit. But there's definitely a sort of a bread berry jam to this, and you get it, a, yeah. Go ahead. I, I taste that. I don't smell it. I, mm-hmm. I I agree. When you get a, a mouthful of it, it there's almost that that uh, yeah red raspberry strawberry jam on toast kind of taste mm-hmm. to it. Yeah, absolutely. And there, you're right, there is a bit, it's not, it's a little toasty. There's a toastiness to this wine, like almost a burnt black sugar yeah. kind of thing to it. Yeah, like the toast is a little too long in the toaster. Yeah. <laughs> you, well, you want to learn how to smell Shiraz? Go smell your toaster. <laughs> you have the tools right in your own home. 
why spend thousands of dollars? <laughs> yeah, it's like, why get professional courses? We're giving this to you for free. Um, well, again, this is a this is an excellent example of um, medium bodied style Shiraz. I found this a lot fuller on the palate compared to the Code de Rhone. Ah. Like there was more of a a creaminess to this wine, like mouth coating. You yeah. know, kind of sticks around there a little longer. Um, felt a little bit more heat, mm. so it's a little higher in alcohol. Not much, but a little higher in alcohol, and. Um, it was, it was so well balanced, and, and that red berry fruit and the jamminess and stuff kind of just went right through right till the end. Um, this wine here is drinking great on its own, um, but I could definitely see this to pair up with some food that we're going to be trying soon. Uh, it's going to be a real interesting experiment. Oh, you keep teasing me about the food. All right, and uh, and what's the third wine? So the here? third wine, this one here is the Dandelion Vineyard. It's the Lionheart of the Barossa Shiraz. So all that to say, it's a Shiraz from Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to make it sound classy, but it's just now, an Australia. Oh, but we, Australia makes great wine. They do. And what I like about Australia, well, let's talk about this wine first. I think on the nose, first of all, uh, man, oh man, there's a lot of ripe jammy fruit on this wine. I got pepper as well. I got red and black licorice. I actually got those the red nibs candy. I, mm. I smelt that in there. And there's sort of a whatever Chinese food smells like. Maybe that's the, the licorice. <sighs> yeah, it's got like a sweet and sour. Yeah, that's, kind that's of sort thing. of what yeah. I'm getting. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is sweet and sour. Yeah, that's sweet and sour sauce. It mm-hmm. comes with Chinese food. Yes. Sweet and sour chicken ball sauce. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what it smells like. So medium body. Um, on the palate. Oh, my God. Just luscious. I mean, it's it's just gushing with fruit. It's, and what you should expect from an Australian Shiraz. Mm-hmm. Um, so all the stuff that we talked about on the aroma, definitely there on the palate. You got that nice heat coming off this wine too on the on the way down. It's there's just, there there's a lingering warmth on this, mm, and and not not in a bad way. There was a time where um, I think wine producers were really letting the alcohol content go too high with their uh, wines. That seemed to be the the norm for a while. Yeah, uh, they've geared way back on that. And they've also, we, we haven't really talked about oakiness on this wine, but this does have vanilla and toffee to it as well, but not what you would have been drinking 15, 20 years ago. No. At all. They've, no, no. they've learned to integrate the fruit and the oak where when Shiraz was really, really popular, um, they over-oaked, I think anyway, personally, they way over-oaked their wines and left them in barrel way too long and let the alcohol alcohol <laughs> go way way too high <laughs> and this one here no not at all this is basically a perfect example of a well integrated Shiraz where you're having the fruit characteristics you're having hints of oak without it going too crazy mm-hmm. well integrated alcohol perfectly balanced and ready to go now by the way mm-hmm. all three wines here these are all these three wines that we're trying right now. You could easily sell it for about three to five years if you oh, wanted to. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I, 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 I mean, I, I love this style of Shiraz. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's phenomenal. I remember one time, this is a true story. I was in Lake Placid, and we were drinking a, a bottle of a Wolf Blast, <sighs> and it was the silver label uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. Okay. 
I think the alcohol content was about 15.1, if I remember correctly. And we were walking, it was a winter time, and we were walking along this, this, uh, this covered path with all these nice little lanterns and everything like that. The thing is, you weren't allowed to bring alcohol. You weren't allowed to drink outside in, in the, Lake Placid, in the public area, right. you weren't allowed. You could go. I mean, there were tons of bars everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. You know, but not in this particular area. Well, of course, everybody does, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> why. That's why God invented flasks. <laughs> <laughs> so, but we wanted to do a little class here, so we put it in a styrofoam cup. Oh yeah, nobody would cup. ever guess that. No problem was the alcohol content. This is true. Try it if you don't believe me. The alcohol content was so high. I remember we were walking, and I. Could feel something dripping down my oh, forearm. No way! The wine ate through the <laughs> bottom of the styrofoam cup, and I had it looked like I had been stabbed in the arm because my arm was covered in red in, in red wine. It had fallen, and there was like driblets of this red wine all the way down this path we were on. <laughs> Just scary. Yeah. So suffice it to say, all that to say that this wine is not like that at all. It's like so perfectly balanced. It's beautiful. Yeah. And my biggest problem is usually is my beer freezing at a football game. But (laughs) that's a whole nother level of it. All right. Now, and there's some food here. We've got some food. Um, So let's do this again now with some food. We can do that. And while we're doing that, we can, we'll talk to, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about Shiraz and what to expect as far as like the styles and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So, but let's do, yeah, I want to try the food first too. Like this is crazy here. (laughs) All right. So, um, so we're going to go back to our first Cote de Rhone wine. Uh And, uh, here's the two, two things that I brought. So I've got a, a traditional, uh, meatloaf. Yep. Okay. With this thickest gravy you've ever seen in your life. It's your mom's recipe. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's got lots of onions in it and salt and pepper and it's cloves and garlic. It's got everything that you want to pair with these wines, uh, with the gravy and also a smoked meat poutine. Ah, again, your mom's recipe. Yeah. So for, for people that might not know what poutine is, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's almost become, our flag here in Canada, um, in the sense that it, we're getting identified with it, like Putin and 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 Canada seem to go hand in hand these days. I think anyway. Yeah, I think that that might be an. Uh, th- like we're in Ottawa, so there's there's a, a Quebec Ontario mm-hmm. corner thing. Mm-hmm. Going to the west, yeah, no. Not However, so in in this little corner, yes, big time, yeah, absolutely. big time. And Putin is basically. An excuse to put French fries, gravy, and cheese curds all together. That's, That's all, all it is. It is yes. That's all it is. It's, it, but it's amazing how uh, tough it can be to do right because you yeah. got to have good French fries, you got to have good gravy, and you've got to have good cheese. And I found out when I when I first started trying this particular style of, of food, I guess you could call it that dish. Um, the traditional gravy for poutine mm-hmm. is actually chicken okay. gravy, which I didn't know. Yeah. I always assumed it was a rich brown gravy. Be, like that's what I have, what, what I brought here. Right. But actually traditional poutine started off with a sort of a white gravy oh. and cheese curds, which I didn't know. The best poutine I, I've ever had was a turkey gravy mm, and cheddar cheese. Oh, it, it's, it's definitely something you got to try. But now we're throwing on top of all this, we're throwing smoked meat on it. 
Okay, so, which is beef. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Smoked uh, beef. Smoked beef. But now this is the important part here for this pairing. It's 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 also really it's well aged yep. and it's heavily seasoned. Yes. And I can't 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 infer that enough. There's a lot of seasoning that go on that goes on uh, brisket, Montreal smoked meat brisket, which is salt, salt. Uh, it's like that all spice, that Montreal steak spice. Yeah, you know, where so a blend like, of oh, peppers, blend of all and kinds of stuff, that garlic they put and on. onion yep. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so we're gonna try that with the wines. Okay. So the first wine, the Cote de Rhone. Yeah. Back to the beginning. Back to the beginning. Where have you been? Yes. No, been here you right are. There. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. It's 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 also interesting how you, you mentioned cellaring a little while ago. Like even this just sort of sitting here opened up in front of us is is evolving. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes I think when you talk about cellaring, and you I mean you're not talking about anything formal. You're talking about buying an extra bottle and forgetting it at the back. Yeah, <laughs> forgetting yeah. about it at the back of a closet. And it is much like this has been sitting here. It's amazing how it changes. And. Keep in mind now, like these, by the way, these, oh, a whole other debate, these are all screw tops. But mm. just because you have a screw top doesn't mean that the wine is can't age. No, the screw okay. top is a better seal. Yeah. We've so, learned that from talking to some real serious winemakers. Yeah, so yeah. let's let's put that to bed right now yeah. too, okay? Now, these wines aren't necessarily made for selling. They're, they're made for right now, buy and consume, but... Having said that, they're also, if you do buy an extra bottle or if you really like it and buy half a case, it's going to sit in your cellar as long as the cellar conditions are good. No problem. Cellar. How about the above my fridge deep in the cupboard? (laughs) But yet I I agree because I, I, over the years, I have accidentally bought some of these bottles and they get to the back of- You forget about- Of a shelf and you can't, you're you're 100% right. You can open them years later and they are damn good. Yeah, they're fine. Yeah. So uh, I think we talked about this, but I'll go over it. Syrah and Shiraz- are the same thing. No, we have not had that conversation yet. So, okay. um, yeah. So what's the deal? So the deal there is that Sida is is basically the word that the French use for the Shiraz grape. And the Shiraz grape was at first thought to come from uh, the Middle East, yeah. a place near Iran, from the town of Shiraz. Okay, there's a okay. town, uh, and, and that's all been disproven. Of yeah. course, like a lot of a lot of things. Um, so it's all been disproven, but the name stuck. Yeah. Except the French decided that they were going to call it Sira instead of Shiraz. So when the grape vines, if you will, started to migrate all over the world, the new world adapted it and decided to go to the what they thought was the traditional word Shiraz. So when you go into a wine store or, you know, or check in different areas, quite often when you go to us Australian wine section yeah. or California, for example, as an example, um, they'll always refer to it as a Shiraz. But like everything in the wine world, there's always someone that's going to go the wrong way. The Porcupine Ridge Syrah, they they decided to call it Syrah because they this particular vineyard bought their vine cuttings from a vineyard in France. Mm. So they decided to keep the word Syrah keep instead the of Shiraz. Original yeah. French word. Yeah, but for all intents and purposes, it's the same thing. Okay. okay? Now you might encounter at some point Petit Syrah. That's completely different. 
<laughs> just to be confused. Just to really get you confused out there. Um, Petit Syrah is different. It's a stronger, more tannic, higher alcohol uh, type grape than the Syrah grape. Right. Okay. And it, it's definitely made for an aging style of wine. Uh, okay. Okay. Now, when we talk Cote du Rhone wines or, and talk about Shiraz, the grape itself, okay, the grape itself is, you can kind of compare it to Cabernet Sauvignon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cab can grow pretty much anywhere in the world and likes really impoverished soils, okay? Syrah or Shiraz, basically the same thing, except that the Shiraz grape grows better in more of a Mediterranean or warmer climate. So cool nights, but hot, hot, hot during the day, mm. it loves it okay. because it's got a really, really thick skin. So the winemakers can make it into a style of wine like we're trying right now, the petting. Yeah. That is basically produced so that it's a short-lived wine that you can keep for three, four years, but not really much more. Or if the winemaker decides using exactly the same grapes, but vinifies it or produces it different, he or she can make a wine that you could put into your cellar for 10, 15, 20 years. Wow. They have the option. And how will that taste after 15 years? We're talking about feet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just what you want, more feet. It's all the fruit's going to dissipate. Yeah. And it's going to turn into a very murky uh, barnyardy, yeah. uh, peppery, leathery, a uh, smoked meat yeah. style of wine. Some people love it. Well, and as we've learned, that's when you decant, when oh, you, you, you let it to. sit. Yeah. You let yeah, it you sit there to. for, and not like 10 minutes for like 12 hours. Uh, well, absolutely. I mean, some, some of those older, heavier styles, uh, decanting it an hour is, is, borderline you're if you've got the option or if you can for longer yeah it, it's much better the feet disappears <laughs> if it's younger okay. if it's an older vintage the feet get worse as <laughs> <laughs> it decants oh yeah really oh, yeah. It gets even earthier as it decants so an older style Shiraz is a perfect accompaniment to older style cheeses. Ah. Right? Now, what we're pairing it with, because we're doing a, a wine and food pairing here, we're going to try this with both. And um, we did. Uh, I liked it better personally. I thought it was phenomenal with the poutine. I loved it with the poutine. The Cote d'Aron with the poutine? yeah. yeah. Because I found that um, the saltiness of the meat really resonated and really came out when I took a sip of the wine after I had uh, the poutine. So for me, that worked really well. So for me, the poutine overrode the Cote d'Aron. Okay. Like when I went back to the Cote d'Aron after that poutine, especially with the smoked meat on top of it, all that salt, I didn't get anything. However, the meatloaf with the mashed potatoes, but mainly just the meatloaf with the gravy on top of it. That with this Cote d'Aron was so good. And it's just hard to stop 
eating and drinking, just going back and forth until there's nothing left. Well, and that, and then getting another bottle. Well, <laughs> and more meatloaf, and 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 another bottle. Yeah, after that. and more meatloaf. <laughs> Do we have any meatloaf? <laughs> Boy, I'm glad I made that New Year's resolution. That's <laughs> right out the window. Um, so I'm 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 liking the pairing. I think it's a very traditional pairing. If there was any other things I would suggest for people to try with this, yeah. would be a charcuterie p- uh, platter. Which oh, is fantastic okay. with this Côte d'Iron. Now, well, and and a lot of times that's that's fun because a big variety of meats and cheeses, and you just kind of like try this and that and something yeah. else and see what works. And and it'll be. I remember we've talked about this before. Keep in mind everybody's palate's different. So mm-hmm. because it works for me, might not work for you, Dave, and vice versa. Or sometimes, it, yeah, we both love oh. it. And that's just the way it is. It's yeah. the, it, there's no wrong answer. There's no wrong answer. That's why wine is so great on so many levels. Okay, next one, the Porcupine Ridge. <laughs> you can argue for hours. Yeah, and, and, and no you're not one wrong. Is, no, you'll never be wrong. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, Porcupine Ridge. Uh, Syrah. Okay, now with yeah, now with food. Yeah, now we're trying that with food. So we we tried it with both. In this case, I liked it. I liked the porcupine ridge better for me. It went really well with the meatloaf. I found that the onions and the gravy on the nose has got more feet. Yeah, it gets feedier. Yeah, is that? A, I want the patent on that. Feedier. Feedier dot com. Feedier dot. Oh, there probably is a website for that. <laughs> I don't want to even go there. <laughs> um, Porcupine Ridge. I thought with the meatloaf for me was was the better pairing. Mm. Although I liked it with the 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 smoked meat. And I thought it was I okay. Know. I found because uh, with the this meatloaf's very oniony. Like there's a lot of onions in that, and people have a bit of a misconception that onion are, is is tart or 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 too overpowering. But in fact, when you cook onion, the onion actually gets sweeter. Yeah, it, it does. gets sweeter tasting, uh, especially a Spanish onion, which I'm guessing this is the one that they probably use to make with this particular meatloaf. And I just found it softened up. Yeah, the wine, and I found it brought out a lot more fruit and pepper in the wine for me. And, and I have found as this wine has sat here, as we've been talking, the, the nose got more feedier. (laughs) It's gotta be a different word, but more earthier. Earthier? Yeah. Yeah. And and we had mentioned clove and it's, and the clove, the the taste is getting better with it. So the spice is coming out more. Yeah. Which is interesting on, on just how it's done nothing but sit here for, you know, 20 minutes and the taste changes. And, and this is the beauty of wine and food pairing or just trying wine on its own. It will evolve. Good wines will evolve in the glass and they will definitely change when you're trying them with food. Yeah. Now, before we move to our last wine, uh, the Porcupine Ridge, I, as I mentioned, was from South Africa. So the top areas in the world that um, that produce Syrah Shiraz is going to be France number one for sure. And then in no particular order, you're looking at Italy, Mm -hmm. Spain, Argentina, Chile, and South Africa is one of the bigger players out there. They're, they they plant a lot of Shiraz. And this is a style, I think, that does them justice because for a long, long time, uh, a lot, and I, I apologize to anyone who <laughs> might be listening that's a producer from <laughs> South Africa, but for a long time they were accused, and rightfully so, because I've tried them. Uh, their wines, 
Reds especially had a burnt tire smell and taste to them. Burnt tire. Burnt tire. If you ever went past a tire fire in Springfield with Homer, or whatever, <laughs> the great tire fire, um, they did, and they honestly did. I remember, I remember uncorking a couple of bottles at tastings where yeah. we were analyzing wines, and I'm not kidding you. When we started pouring out the South Africans, and I'm talking 20 years ago, 20, 25 years ago. Right. Holy mackerel, the, the room changed. We walk in and out of the room, and you would swear somebody had left their leather gloves on the barbecue. It was it was <laughs> awful. the barbecue. It was awful. <laughs> and the taste was not much better. But now they've really turned it around in the last, say, 15 years or so. Yeah. These wines are spectacular, and they're, they're not to be overlooked. So, okay. So our last one. Last one. So same grape, but same. different part of the world. Yeah. So Australia. Um, okay, oh, geez. Well, on the nose already. It's, has it changed? It's completely different. Well, at least from the, the Porcupine Ridge. So going from South Africa to Australia, it's really, this is the same grape? Wow. So this is, for those of you, um, this from Australia, this is where Shiraz got its renaissance, if um, you will. Um, because at one point in Australia, uh, in the early 2099, there was a winery opening every 48 hours <laughs> just because of <laughs> the demand. Oh, yeah, that's quality right there. Yeah. <laughs> the demand was, uh, but, but, but at the same time, they'd been planting this grape in, in some of the other, like smaller vineyards at the time yeah. f- since the 1800s. In so Australia. In Australia, which people don't know. Uh, by the way, I saw a documentary on the the insects and animals that run around in Australia. Mm-hmm. I love Australian people. Everyone I've met has been awesome, great partiers. Um, you're going to have to come to my house because I'm never going <laughs> to set foot in there. When, when I see a spider that's bigger than my head, I'm not going anywhere near that spot. Sorry. No offense. Well, that was, I was in uh, Austin, Texas at, yeah. a, at a thing a couple of years ago. And, and I just remember the woman told me, so before you get into your bed, just like check it. Yeah. And it's like, what do you mean check it? And she goes like, well, you know, check it. Yeah. What? For what? What? And that was all she ever gave me. It's like, yeah. what do you mean? Check it. It's, it's scorpions is what oh. I learned she was talking about. But it's like, it's just this thought of like all the things that we have to deal with in Canada. Like, eh, I'm not really worried about no. anything that's crawling around. I'm worried about outside, but yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. that's a whole nother thing. Uh, okay. So why, why same grape? Yeah. hundred percent the same grape. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, this one is way warmer. I get yeah. this warmth we talked about earlier, this brown sugar to it, that it was yeah. not there from the South African. No, and I think for the wine and food pairing for what we're doing, mm-hmm. this was the wine for me, and I'm not, I'm not skirting that answer. I'm going to tell you in a second, but just before I forget, this was the wine for me that went with everything. Mm. I loved it with everything. I loved it with the smoked meat puts in. I loved it with the mashed potatoes. We had a friend of ours was here for a little bit, and he was saying that he liked the wine with the mashed potatoes better than anything else. The blandness, the, yeah. simple mashed potatoes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Saying that, you know what? They were buttery. They were buttery, and, and the wine is. The wine has that buttery, smooth yeah, feeling yeah, to it. Yeah, it really does. And, um, and, and I thought it was fantastic with the meatloaf. It brought out spices. It was perfectly balanced. I absolutely loved it. Um, 
Yeah. So it, all around for me, that was, for me, it was the number one. Uh, what makes it different? Uh, first of all, climate is a huge factor in Australia. The, the, the heat that they get for the vineyards, probably one of the hottest in the world. So they're Compared growing. Compared to South Africa. Oh, like, yeah. Like they yeah. just, on a globe, they're kind of similar. They're in a, in a valley, where, where, Barossa Valley, okay. where the, it's a direct sun but they get the cool at night, which is exactly what this grape is looking for. And they have a prolonged growing season. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they don't have to deal with a lot of the problems that other areas in the world have to deal with. Um, and the most important thing, the soil, they have a red clay based soil in Barossa, which a lot of these vines are planted on. And that brings out all kinds of different flavors to the grape that you won't find anywhere else in the Mm -hmm. world. So all these factors, uh, and the fact that for the majority of the wines, they, they're they using oak, like American oak, mm-hmm. and in some cases French oak, but American oak seems to be still trendy there without overusing too much. And while they're going even through their winter seasons and stuff like that, a lot of, they don't have to regulate the temperatures in the, in the, in the winery as much as a lot of other areas. They don't have as many factors to deal with. So it, it turns out that, Overall, it's perfect growing area for it. Just it just fits really, really, really well. So he's. Um, I guess the the question then becomes: Is this a better example of what a Shiraz Syrah is supposed to taste like? If it's the style you like, uh, if it's the style you like, because if if I was to say to you, and again, uh, unfortunately, at this, I don't, I, I couldn't get a high end style northern. Cote d'Iron style wine where their appellations produce only red yeah. and the only red that they're allowed to plant is Syrah, nothing else by law. So the Northern Rhone, you want to learn how to, how am I going to remember all the different grape varieties? Northern Rhone, red, Syrah, end of story. That's all they're allowed to plant. They plant them on the most impoverished soils that you can't grow anything else or next to nothing else Yeah, uh, to taste it. It's like a mouthful of gravel huh? and there's very little fruit. Yeah. But there's an, an oh, immense, like hardly any grapes come off of it. Yeah. Immense complexity though. If you like terroir, yeah. if you like uh, minerality and if you like sort of the licorice leather barnyard, type of thing and you're looking for a wine that you want to sell her in some cases for 30 40 50 years yeah you can find them there you try that up against this you'd say you're crazy there is no way that's the same <laughs> great variety you're nuts but again like we were saying no right or wrong answers some people like the northern code style and some people like this particular style. I like them all. Right. Like them all. (laughs) All right. Very good advice there from Paul Carrier. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. It's been the Paul's Picks Podcast.